0: Christmas in the stars what a merry
1: Christmas this will be hello and welcome to the 2020 radio TCX holiday special I'm Tim Dugan and I'm joined by my usual co-host Carson Ray hey everybody great day to not talk about X-wing what Ooh that's a, a, what a crazy spin and John McDermott new Star wars who dis? So, this is our annual special holiday episode, which doesn't, I guess, doesn't really mean anything specifically. Uh, What did we do the last couple years?
0: Yeah, so per tradition for the holiday special, we do not talk about X-Wing. And, you know, previously, we've spent the past two years really diving into the best Star Wars content that's been made really since A New Hope, which was the Star Wars holiday special. Mm. But, you know, what... Uh, things have changed uh, recently. We've gotten some new Star Wars, so um, and, and surprisingly, it's better than the holiday special.
2: Is it? You don't you don't sound excited about it at all. Like there was no
1: enthusiasm <laughs> there.
0: Come on, sell Carson it to me. Carson just really want, He wants to talk about the actual
1: Star Wars holiday special, not all this new good Star Wars content coming. Well,
0: I just have to really justify why we are breaking from tradition, <laughs> because I really want to break from tradition. <laughs>
1: I got my first tangent here. I just wanted to talk about how brilliant was it? Because on Disney Plus, they released, I think, John, you said you watched it, right? The Lego Star Wars Holiday Special?
2: Uh, I have not watched it yet, actually. I think Wade okay. told us he watched it, though.
1: Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, so what I love about that is because <laughs> they worked forever to try and erase the Star Wars Holiday Special from the history of Star Wars. And it just doesn't happen. People just keep that thing alive. Um, so I like that they've taken the alternate route of, like, we're just going to name something the Star Wars Holiday Special, so when you Google that, you get the Lego one coming up first, not the old holiday variety show. It's all strategic. That has to be part of it, right? That's why they called it that, don't you think? Absolutely. Like, 100%.
2: <laughs> and, like, I think from what I've seen kind of, like, in the teaser trailers, too, like, it kind of tangentially, like, pokes fun at the original holiday episode, and, like it inter- like, incorporates... All of the Star Wars media we've had, rather than just some like made-up dumb
1: story about Chewie's family. So, <laughs> well, because they had nothing to they had nothing to riff on. It's like two hours of them trying to riff on Star Wars, and they only had one movie. Anyway, so that's that's a good taste of the kind of content you're gonna get, or the kind of non-content you're gonna get from today's episode. Um, I do think we have to say a big spoiler warning for this episode. We are going to, we're going to talk about all areas of Star Wars. That's going to be including the recently released and completed Mandalorian Season 2. Um, but I just want to give a general warning because we're going to go on tangents here. So we might cover anything that's been in released Star Wars media. So if you're not interested in hearing that, um, I guess skip this one for the time being. That's fine. It's just a
0: holiday spinoff. You don't need to listen. Well, and the other thing to note here is that we are now uh, three... Star Wars fans talking about Star Wars films, which is just a very dangerous uh, (laughs) subject to approach. Uh, We're probably not going to come out of this all friends. So we just need to be prepared for that. And I think viewers, you know, we might say things you're going to completely disagree with. And I'm not sorry about that.
2: I like to live my life on the edge.
1: I want to apologize in advance for all of John's horrible takes on Star Wars, though. I feel like we need to get that up front, too. Anyway, let's talk about Mandalorian Season 2, because there's a a lot of exciting things that happened over the last, what, two months?
2: That's wild that it's only been, like, two months.
0: (laughs) It does feel pretty well. I mean, we've all been pretty excited following this and, you know, pretty excited to talk about it each week um, when each episode comes out. Uh, So it's been a really fun process.
1: I'm actually, I'm a big fan of, I like that they're doing it, releasing it week to week and not doing the Netflix binge watch thing, which, um like, I I used to go back and forth. I loved binge watching back in the day, but there actually is something to having the episodes release spaced out. Like, I get that that's a financial thing, too. They want people to subscribe longer, obviously. But, like, being able to actually talk and theorize about a show in between episodes is something I kind of miss from, like, the old, you know, days of watching Lost on ABC Um, like that was one of the most fun parts of shows like that when they, when we started to get really heavily serialized media where we could actually talk about them and theorize what was going to happen. Whereas like when stranger things season three comes out, we all watch it in two days and then it's done.
2: And it's nice too, like, to be able to have, you know, like a routine with it too. Right. So like you can digest it slower. You have something to look forward to week to week. And like, I don't know, especially like now with the pandemic, it's nice to have something that's consistent. Not something you something just look forward burn to burn up all at once, yeah. So I mean, like that's kind of the nice thing too. Yeah,
0: Mando Fridays, those were great.
1: <laughs> Didn't it? So season one, that was on Thursdays, right? They'd always premiere them on Thursdays, wasn't it? Yes. I don't know, man. That, that was that like was. years because I think years the first <laughs> episode
2: came out on like a Tuesday, and then it went to Thursdays, and then there was like a weird skip week because they had to not spoil the rise of Skywalker.
0: Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah the um, first season was well, that weird. was funny. Uh yeah, and that was in the before times also. Um so who knows. Back yeah, 10 years ago when it's it was ancient last history. Year. <laughs> yeah. Um told everyone prophetically to just keep their mask on. No one listened. So here we are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about season 2.
1: I liked all the memes of of <laughs> Mando's uh Mando's an anti-masker now. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's start it with the end of this episode. I I wanted to talk about this cuz this totally caught me off guard. I was very much expecting the season 2 finale to set up season 3 and I thought we were going to keep the hunt for Grogu going. Like I did not expect them to wrap up the whole Grogu storyline in this episode of the show. Like I thought it was going to set up the next season, which has left me totally blindsided as to what's going to happen after this. I'm
2: okay with it. It kind of felt like a very natural, conclusive end to that arc. Um, Like, I have questions, obviously, kind of about, like, his character, like, what happens, and, like, I still want to know more about his species. Like, I think that's what intrigues me most. But I think, like, and that's kind of, like, the glory of a good conclusion, right? Is it now just allows you to kind of speculate as a fan and kind of just dream up, like, whatever you want it to be, right?
0: So uh, there aren't really expectations um well we know what happens right it's it's in the pre-force awakens when uh you know kylo attacks the everybody uh, jedi temple right that's (laughs) that's that's where Grogu's at um (laughs) that's not for several years a lot of things could happen
1: right isn't that i don't know what is the timeline because mando's about five years after return of the jedi right
2: kylo at this point's about four or five so like 10 years okay. from
0: now i think is when he just goes ape and kills all of luke's buddies yeah so we'll see if grogu's still there but that that's my concern um mm. how sad is it that like or is if Grogu Gro- gonna Gro- be the survivor of two uh jedi yeah. temple
1: massacres <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. that's just his history he survives one It'd be so sad, and he makes it all the way just to get killed in the second one. I don't think that's probably what happens with that character, but like you're saying, John, like maybe they're just they might just leave that open ended. We don't know what
0: ultimately happens to him, and maybe that's part of the fun there. There's just stories, maybe we, can we imagine. get uh teenage Grogu and Ray teaming up uh in a, a post sequel sequel, right?
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm okay with where they left it, it feels natural. <laughs> Grogu leads Rogue Squadron. I'm calling it right now. Jeez. <laughs> they get him a tiny little X-wing like Yoda had the tiny little. Eita yeah, too. I'm That's in. That's what we're that talking about. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we they wrapped up the Grogu storyline, um, which leaves we know we're getting, I believe, at least two more seasons of Mandalorian confirmed now, right? And that just leaves that open we can pursue an entirely different story arc, which I, I thought the whole of the show was going to be the Grogu line. So I'm actually pretty excited that there's just going to be something completely different happening afterwards.
0: Okay, but is it really the end of the Grogu arc? Because, like, merchandising, right? It's and, all and about like... the toys,
2: man. <laughs> all about the toys. I feel
0: like a huge percentage of fan excitement around the Mandalorian, um, not maybe as much of the diehard Star Wars fan. I really don't even like that term, um, but like I think just broad population, like people like Grogu, um, and that seems weird to have him disappear off the show. Um, and so I don't really feel like it's the end of the Grogu arc, but it's it's definitely in another chapter. See, I get that, but I think the show doesn't need Grogu
1: anymore because they've introduced a lot of characters that I really like, um, especially Bill Burr's character, who I think like, is... Uh, uh, frog, Frog Lady is great. Frog, Frog Mom. We got Frog Mom. We got Bill Burr. We got Fennec Shand, who actually maybe is one of my new favorite Star Wars characters. She's awesome. Yeah, Fennec's cool.
2: I think what I liked about Grogu wasn't anything like inherently as him as a character, but I think like the depth that he created for Mando. Like he ma- mm. he made Mando more interesting as a character.
0: Right. Well, and it's like having. Um, a faceless character mirrored with, like, this really, like, expressive, emotional, like, infant, like, worked really well. Um, And so, you know, moving forward, like, we might need to see the mask come off more to have more of those emotional beats uh, if Grogu's not around to do kind of some of that heavy lifting. Do you you think that'll be a character change for Manda where he'll start to break that part of the creed and just be a little more open to taking the mask off? Um, it might depend on who he hangs out with, right? I mean, because before he was with um, a much more devout creed of Mandalorians, and you know does still want to hold true to their values, but is now around uh, a bunch of Mandalorians that don't hold as tightly to that.
1: Much respect though to Boba Fett, who just wears the helmet all the time, not because it's part of a creed or anything, just because he wants to wear the helmet. So that's pretty cool.
0: He looks cool. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, He looks cool with or without the helmet. Um, That was just a fun character to have brought back in um, to just Star Wars in general. And um, I think really brought a lot to the show uh, because they kind of felt like similar characters. And then to see them interact and see their differences, I thought that was really cool.
2: It's funny that you say like you feel like his character brought a lot to the show when like I don't inherently disagree with you but i feel like the slave one brought more to the show than boba himself did
0: <laughs> well i think contrasting din to the other different mandalorians uh did bring a lot um and also it was amazing to see the slave one um on screen getting i mean it was always impressive anytime it was on screen in the films and we just got to see the inside of that of it.
2: that was so cool
0: right no, it was amazing and like they used it on screen like the same way the falcon was used like when you have this weird looking ship like it just kind of opens it up to cool shots and like they really seem to explore um any kind of cool thing like what new can we do with the slave one all right let's try that this episode and like all of that worked really well and was just like totally stunning to see
1: it was it was actually a pretty cool parallel moment to when we see in the tragedy when we see the slave one appear and like you just get that shot of Mando looking at it and you know when you're a Star Wars fan as a viewer you know that means Boba Fett's coming later on when we see the X wing show up in the season finale we know that means Luke's coming right because like that's just your gut reaction off right away
2: man pour one out for the Razor Crest that makes me sad. <laughs>
0: That was so uh, sad. Yeah, I mean, the razor Crest was a really fun ship just because, like, it was really janky. Um, <laughs> it took and, such a beating throughout. Yeah, like, it, this season really did um, test the Razorcrest. Like, even in just those early episodes, like, it gets ripped up and he's trying to repair it. I mean, we remember back in first season, it gets stripped apart by the Jawas and he has to rebuild it. Uh, and that was just kind of a fun kind of parallel to, like, the sci-fi western or just, like, you know, kind of taking care of your horse uh, just preparing your spaceship, right? Uh, but then, you know, partnering up with Boba Fett, you get a a much more upgraded ride and convenient timing. Because then the Empire just takes out the Razor Crest, and that was that was a dark <laughs> moment for the show. That was the real tragedy. That was really sad. Yeah, because we knew Grogu was gonna go. We didn't know that
1: the Razor Crest was gonna go. Right.
2: For me, there's just something about the sound that the Slave One makes. Like it's it's cannons, and when the ship flies. And, I mean, the seismic charges, I mean, that's a whole other thing, too. But, like, just the sound of that ship in general, I don't know. It's just, like, really appealing to me.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some cool sound design there. How cool was the the Lambda versus uh, the Slave One fight in that final episode? That that's was pretty That's not great. even a fight. Come on. <laughs> oh, come on. That Lambda was dodging as best it could. <laughs> that Lambda would <laughs> no, have been obliterated. but then we just get to see... If they wanted it to, yeah, yeah, like they just
1: roasted it, yeah,
0: absolutely. And but just like getting to see those ion cannons in use, like that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and just yeah, I mean, the fires very was well. just kind of dancing around it at the end there, uh, which was really cool. And just that that pan up shot of the Slave One right in front of them, uh, that was amazing. So I,
1: it's it's kind of hard because, like, the, obviously Mandalorian does a good job of fan service for us entrenched fans who just know the lore and we're very familiar with these things from the movies. Um, do you guys think there's a limitation, though, if you're not a big Star Wars fan, that this fan service is just kind of falls on deaf ears? Like, I wonder if that affects the quality of the show for
0: people who aren't super familiar with the movies. It might. Well, like, let's think about it. Like, does it matter if you know who... Ahsoka Tano is prior to her showing up in the show? I would say yes. I
2: think so. I think like there's there's a gravitas about her appearance in that episode um, that I think you lose out on if you don't understand how integral she was in the Clone Wars as a character.
1: Um, Well, I think, I don't know if it's good or bad. I feel like it would just affect your perception of who she is like we know that she's generally a heroic good character she would come across a lot more mysterious and weird if you weren't familiar with her from the cartoons I
2: mean she's Yoda then at that point right like Empire right. Strikes Back Yoda like we know yeah, nothing you, roll about in, you don't know what to expect yeah which I mean that episode felt like a lot like Empire Strikes Back in a lot of ways
0: mm. well but like I feel like the show works though because it's always like from um, Din's perspective where like, he doesn't know these people, right? A- and mm-hmm. so, like, even if... Like, yes, it's fun for us to, like, have that dramatic irony of, oh, we know who this character is. We know their backstory. But I think as, like, a casual viewer, like, it still works fine because, like, you're coming into it with the same information that the main character has. Yeah. Like, that's fine.
2: You're just creating a different viewing
0: experience, and that's not bad. Right. It's, like, not any different than one of the random people that... Um, The Mandalorian meets up with along his way um, and has a one-off episode adventure with.
1: So I guess we should talk about the elephant in the room, which is the return of the Return of the Jedi in the Mandalorian. (sighs) John's size. John, let's hear your opinion on this. How did you feel about Luke showing up at the end of Mandalorian?
2: So I've talked about this with a couple different people, and I know some people really liked it. Um, I'm going to preface this with... I have never really enjoyed Luke as a character. Um, I just never, like, growing up super young, watching the original trilogy, never really connected with him. Um, And I think he's the most interesting, honestly, in Return of the Jedi when he's kind of flirting with the dark side. But, like, we saw the X-Wing. Like, you kind of know it's coming, and I still didn't want it to happen. Like, I thought it would have been a lot cooler to see someone else, like... Um, you know, we, we talked about Ezra before, like Ezra would have been super cool, um, or maybe some kind of tie into, um, Fallen Order, like bring in Cal, yeah, Kestis. Cal Kestis. Like That would have yeah. been sweet. Um, and I was, you know, kind of shooting this around with Carson before, like I liked, and I mean, there's still a potential for the show to continue this way, but I liked the Mandalorian not more, but I liked it because it was kind of tangentially involved with this universe, right? Like it had tie-ins, but it wasn't directly related to the original trilogy or the prequels or the sequels. And now this Luke appearance to me, I feel has almost like shoehorned it into a very specific portion of this universe that right. I thought it performed better out of, if that makes yeah, sense. I, I-
1: I think No, I think that's a good point. I think there, there's something to what you're saying about how oh, it, it was telling an important Star Wars story that was disconnected from like the Skywalker saga. Um, and that's kind of a hard thing to do is to either you're telling stories that don't seem that important if they're not connected to like the main numeric episodes, the stories don't seem more important, or if you want to tell an important story, it's going to have to really directly relate to that story. So um, I think there's a fair point to that. I loved seeing... Luke in the show I don't care how Tron legacy he looked um, I mean the action was like, great it was amazing yeah and like that was a great way to do it too so they they could minimize the amount of time you had digital Mark Hamill on screen to get rid of that uh, unearthliness you see when you see the digital digital version but um, I, I like that I like that they connected it I think you know we were talking about all the potential Jedi who were going to show up because they were clearly setting that up with Grogu on the pedestal doing that cool force thing, um, which is another great moment in the show. I love that Mando just like, he doesn't have time to process the weird force field around Grogu because that's probably the weirdest thing he's ever seen, but he's so busy with other stuff that he can't do anything about it. Um, But like to have Luke show up, I think that kind of logically made sense. So I'm glad that they took the extra effort there, even though it's a little clunky to do the digital version of Luke, take that extra effort to do what logically makes sense. In the storyline which is like okay this is the point when Luke would be seeking out new people for the new generation of Jedi so he would obviously be the one to go find him Ezra or Cal would have been cool and they kind of would have made sense given that you know Dave Filoni's involvement in the show but I feel like that would almost shape which direction the story was going to go in because like Luke showing up tells us that the Grogu storyline is kind of done. Whereas, like, if Ezra showed up or Cal, I would assume we're going to see those characters again next season. So that would mean, like, they would keep that storyline involved.
2: That's fair. I was watching the episode uh, when it dropped with uh, Vic, and I thought, we talked about this after we watched the episode, I thought it would have been super cool, actually, um, like, to see, you know, we get the whole X-Wing Jedi reveal. um, But then the lightsaber's blue, and it's Leia and not Luke. Oh, like that would have been super cool.
1: That would have been cool before. Um, she hid the lightsaber on the planet on Tatooine. Frog nuns or no? no she, yeah, does, on
2: Octo, right on
1: Octo. Yeah, it's hidden and Luke just forgets about it for the whole of Last Jedi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. I for for me having the Return of Luke. What, it was a cool moment because, um, I, you know I the sequels are okay-ish in some regards, and not okay in other regards. Um, but like to see the Return of the Jedi Luke, which is the Luke that like I really respected and the character I wanted to see come back in The Force Awakens or in The Last Jedi, to see that version of Luke Return f- was pretty cool. So I didn't just have to deal with old cynical, I've given up Luke, but like see the well, actual Jedi I, Luke. I
0: will say that old cynical, I've given up Luke is my favorite Luke. I love that <laughs> um, Luke. It's so good. Yeah. I vibe um, with that but energy. Uh, growing up, uh, I mean... Growing up with Star Wars, like Luke is just a you know a fun character, and um, you know he does get his like most iconic line of you know I'm a Jedi like my father, and, and we don't get that full line here, uh, but just kind of mirroring that a little bit, uh, I thought that was amazing, and um, it does feel like that does make the Grogu arc feel really complete because we're probably not going to get that much Mark Hamill. Um, screen right. time and like I don't know how they separate Grogu from Luke at this point Um yeah that's forward. what I'm saying Like, it
1: feels like that completes that storyline because you're like oh Grogu's with Luke now he should be fine I guess that's well and they Kylo couldn't too, do though. the like
0: oh he's got too much dark side I can't train him because like they just did that with Ahsoka and like if that was the case Luke would have shown up and be like oh no never oh, mind sorry <laughs> um but he takes him and so it's like at that point you're, like he's gonna train him um but maybe we have grogu decide he wants to leave right like and, and we could see something like that as well uh, and then we
1: get like a buddy cop thing set you know buddy with bounty hunter thing set 10 years later explaining that he has um some more powers yeah see now we're now we're set we've got disney plus is set for the next 20
0: we're good to go right well it's like we got baby groot and now we want teenage groot right it's like yes. the same thing <laughs> It's just starting in a more logical order, <laughs> um, and I will just say, like doing the action on the the video cam, like that just felt like playing a Star Wars video game, uh, like Jedi Knight, where you're like watching uh, the videos to just see, like, okay, these are where the sword troopers are, and this is like where I have to plan that out, and it's like, um, just getting that vibe was like really, just really fun, um, and, and like a different way to do the action because like they've done a lot of just like straight up action like we got to see Boba Fett come back and be just like an absolute action hero Um, you know using his unique armor weapons uh, that was really fun you know and, and so just to see these characters get um, more kind of updated action shots like it's really fun Um, and like yes that is kind of just fan y but like they're doing it around telling what I thought was still a pretty entertaining a- and new story for Star
1: Wars Okay, I do need to ask, since we got to see a little bit more of Mando without his helmet, I need to get your guys' opinion. Why does he only keep a mustache under the helmet, no beard? Because I feel like if he was just, like, not caring, he'd either be, like, just have the full-on beard or be totally clean-shaven if he's just doing it for, like, a comfort thing. Why would he just keep the mustache, and is that part of his Mandalorian creed?
0: Um well you know that's just that's just something for himself you know just just makes him feel better um i mean who's just more comfortable with the mustache
2: him apparently which is fine (laughs) it's just an
1: ego boost and
2: that's fine you know what no judge so my whole thing is like i think because you know he's wearing the helmet so much like when he is eating or drinking like you know he's like there's in that one episode he's sipping on the soup right like You don't want soup, like, stuck in your beard and then dribbling down your neck and into your helmet, right? So he just wants it, you know, not to get saved for later. You don't have that problem with just a mustache. Like, (laughs) the soup just goes straight in your mouth, and then it's done. And the other thing, too, is, like, anyone that has a beard and a baby knows that that baby's going to go for the beard, like, every time. So, like, just shave it off, because then Baby Yoda can't stick his little three-fingered hand up in the helmet and just yank on the beard, right? Like, it's just... Okay. It's methodical.
0: Also, just the shots with him, just like with helmet hair is really funny, too. Uh, (laughs) Because he has that all the time. Yeah, I I think that's a really funny touch.
2: Yeah, I'm glad Um, he didn't like take the helmet off and have like Timothy Oliphant's hair from the first episode where it's just like perfect and looks beautiful.
1: I was glad in season one when they clarified that he does take the helmet off by himself every day cuz like it would have been pretty gross if he like just takes it off and it's like caked on dirt and you know right. sweat and well he just has to eat right he's his eyes are like sunken in he looks like gollum cuz he hasn't
2: seen the light of day in like 30 years <laughs> he's just <laughs> pale he's just got eyes the size of like dishes
0: <laughs> well and so i think one of the notable things about this season was that we did have more um no mask scenes and i I think we should talk about the scenes because they were all pretty interesting. I mean, we do have the soup scene, and that's funny. Um, But of course, there's the scene with Bill Burr where he does have to take off his helmet as well for that Imperial face scan.
1: I like that. I I still like that. Even after he was told he'd have to take the helmet off, he tried to let the face scan scan his helmet. Like, Uh, that was really funny. (laughs) Maybe this will work.
0: (laughs) Just a silent denial. Come on. I know this won't, but maybe. Well, and it speaks a lot to like his character motivations. It's like, yes, that Mandalorian creed uh, means so much to him, right? Like that's his whole identity um, at the beginning of season one. Like that's who he is. Um, But then we get this new element that becomes more influential and that's uh, Grogu and like his bond with Grogu. And so, you know, when that becomes challenged in season two and Grogu gets taken away, then we see what he is willing to do and compromise um, you know, part of that creed to get him back—a
2: big evolution in his character. It's kind of like the like Avengers Endgame thing, right? Like whatever it takes. Like you kind of just have to make
0: the sacrifices to get the job done, and we're
2: at that point.
0: Yeah, and we just like see that that toll and that cost, like just on his face when he does it. Like I I thought that was just incredibly well done. Um, and it was it was kind of surprising to see him go through with it. Like we didn't didn't think he would, and then then he takes off the helmet.
2: And then you get that little like mafia moment with Bill Burr. He's like, "I didn't see your face. You're fine." <laughs>
0: yeah, like <laughs> just
2: put the helmet on, walk
1: out, building up the trust. I did love too when um uh what's it? Bill Burr's character is Mayfield, I think. Yeah, yeah, Mayfield. yeah. Um, I just love that moment where they were like, "It's too bad that he died." You know, when the facility exploded and he just doesn't get it. Like he has no sense of humor. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a very like suicide squatty moment. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I also like, dude, really. Just leave.
2: Yeah, I also really liked the um, kind of like his whole description of Operation Cinder, which if you've played like the campaign of Battlefront 2, the newer one, like that's kind of the campaign, it's Operation Cinder. Um, I thought like it's interesting that they basically made him like kind of like the Vietnam War vet of Operation Cinder. And I was like, oh, he's going to pull his gun out and just shoot this dude. Like it's not going to go well. (laughs) And then they just like proceed to ruin that entire room of people.
1: There's something weird, so, like, playing squadrons, and because you do the, you know, split um, plot line between the New Republic and the Empire. Like, it is weird to, like, see an Imperial facility where everyone's being buddy-buddy. Like, you know, like, you're seeing the opposite end of that, because we don't really get to see that a lot in Star Wars lore, and they've done that a couple times now. Like, che- cheering the stormtroopers as they return because they succeeded on their mission.
2: It's so wholesome. It's like at the yeah. end of New Hope after well, they blow up the first Death Star. Everyone's yeah, just like... so happy. <laughs> And all they did in this episode was do their job and the Empire's cheer them on like, congratulations, you did what we
0: don't even pay you to do. No, I think that was more um, heartfelt of like, you know, a bunch of their buddies did get blown up, but this this car made it back, right? Um, Which is like darkly comedic because they have other ulterior
1: motives and then yeah, proceed to just blow everything up. And then kill yeah. everybody that was cheering them. Yeah, immediately afterwards. So what do you guys, uh, what do you expect for season three? It seems like they're setting up a pretty clear, like, trying to take over, uh, retake over Mandalore and reestablish the Mandalorian Order. Do you think that's going to be the driving motivation for Mando next season? Like, Um, who who should be the rightful ruler? Should it be
0: Bo-Katan or should it be Mando?
2: neither of them yeah
0: so i guess we have to talk about the dark saber right because apparently that's important or something uh <laughs> or is it is it really i don't know she should have just taken it <laughs> listen to mando
2: i think the only justification i have for like her not taking it this time is like maybe she already feels disgraced because she did it once with like no combat right so she doesn't want to have that she doesn't want to have like her rightful inheritance like continually just handed to her by people who maybe in her eyes don't deserve it. But, maybe like...
1: Couldn't part of it be that maybe she thinks she'll lose it again if she doesn't rightfully get it? Right. Yeah. There there are ways they can explain that away. It is weird watching the clip from Rebels and just seeing her just take it with no question, not defeating anybody. Okay,
0: also, like, it's cool, but, like, the Beskar Spear is way better.
2: better. I think (laughs) that there's gonna be some kind of, like duality leadership there like the spear will become some kind of of iconic figurehead item and the darksaber will like maybe mando will like start a new not a cult but like a sect on like conquer dawn or something like that that'd be kind of cool
0: I just feel like he's not really the leader character, right? Like, he's not. He doesn't, he doesn't care. want that, and like that's not what he's. I doing mean, at.
2: and you see that too, like when Moff's like all like and explaining the dark saber, and he just walks. Through, he's like, "Here, just take it. I don't even want this. Like yeah. this is yours. I don't want to fight you. I yield. Just, just take this thing. It's not worth my trouble."
1: Don't you feel like that kind of makes Mando the ideal leader, though? Is the fact that he doesn't want to no. do it? He'd probably be a, He'd probably do a pretty good job.
0: No, he doesn't like
1: (laughs) yeah he does the right thing that's just his that's just his game
0: he like makes deals with people and and then shoots them like 10 (laughs) seconds later um
1: yeah that's what it takes to be a leader (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) you've been watching too much american politics too uh
2: yeah i don't know i don't like i'm trying to think at this point canonically like I don't know. Fen Rao's still alive, right? It'd be kind of cool to see like the actual Concord Dawn protectors maybe make an appearance, and then of course you've got Clan Wren. They're probably still around, I guess. They kind of just disappear in rebels again. But I mean, there are definitely
0: like other Mandalorian sects that could make a comeback, right? And I think that's kind of fun to see. We got to see a beginning of that uh, with season two. You know, we saw more small Mandalorian groups kind of pull together. And I think, you know, maybe seeing more of that with season three would be really fun. And that kind of feels like the direction they are going. Her group is called the Night Owls. Like, that's just a dope name. <laughs> it's like Cobra Kai, but for Star Wars. But, like, isn't that kind of just, like, a redundant name? Like, that's, like, colorful Colorado. Like, it means kind of the same thing. Um <laughs> night owls. Yeah.
2: But it's night spelled with N-I-T-E Carson. So it's, it's oh, edgy. No. It's
0: different. 360, I'm back in. <laughs> 180, right? 360 uh, would just bring you back
2: to your own opinion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to stick to what I said, not what I meant, and I'm back out again. I I talked him out of it. I should have just let it go. No, it's cool. I have a few more weeks before I teach geometry.
1: Anyway, uh, so Mando wasn't the only big piece of exciting Star Wars news. They also announced the next 1,000 shows to take place over the next 30 years on Disney+. Plus.
0: Um, yeah, it almost kind of feels like the entire uh, film industry has been monopolized. It's just oh, Star Wars. Oh, uh, okay, on. wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, here we're seeing the positive side effects of Monopoly.
1: Of Disney owning all of media. yeah uh, <laughs> Well, like, there's just the law of averages says, right, if they're going to release, like, what is it, 10 new shows or movies, at least some of them will be pretty good. Like, you know, worst case scenario. I'm pretty excited about
2: most, if not all, of these projects. I just think it's funny how, like, for years, I mean, Star Wars fans, you can never make them happy, right? So for years, they're just screaming, more content, we want good content, and now Disney is like, here's all your good content. And they're like, whoa, too much content. Too much. How dare you do this? There's definitely something to be said for, like, oversaturation, right? But, I mean, if if Filoni and Favreau have proven anything, it's like they've, like, tapped into a market for good content that I think they can continue without making it contrived and repetitive.
1: I think there's a bouncing point too of like that you have to find the right rate to release this stuff. Cause I feel like the MCU stuff they did at, you know, maybe they oversaturated for a while too. And then they kind of found the right pace to release content at star Wars was like a movie a year was a little too much. And I think, you know, they fast tracked him and that, you know, maybe negatively impacted those movies a little bit. So now to see this content a little bit more spaced out, um, at least for like the mainline movie
0: stuff is nice. Well, and also, I mean, This does very much feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe approach applied to Star Wars, which is, I think, a pretty good model to follow when you're trying to tell these epic storylines that are where you have a bunch of characters that are kind of tangentially interconnected. um, And then you can, you know, bring them together um, as needed or, or, you know, diverge as needed. Well, and I'm hoping too, I'm hoping that, like, not every
1: show becomes, you know, Mandalorian with four seasons, which I'm happy that Mandalorian's getting four seasons. But I'm also fine if they just do the more limited series approach of like, you know, we do an Ahsoka show. Yeah, Ahsoka show. It was seven or eight episodes long, and then it's done. We told the story. And that way, like, if it's great, we have this like singular thing to look at. And if it's not very good, we can just move on.
2: Well, and this model too, like kind of I think falls like in line with where I feel like Star Wars content can really thrive is more of this, you know, kind of direct-to-streaming service content and then one-off movies, like, sprinkled throughout. Because um, not only does it open it up for more, like, kind of creative opportunity, um, you just get the opportunity to tell, like, way more stories, and that's awesome.
0: Right, one, like, just looking at the sequel trilogies, like, I think they would have been so much better if they were broken up into... Um, a TV series like just that length to tell these epic storylines like I think is better like you need that time to build context like the issues with the sequels is like the plot line was kind of all over the place because they didn't have time to build up the context and so now like it feels like they're really kind of pumping the brakes and putting out a bunch of material where they can you know put out that context in and build up those characters in a much better timeline
1: yeah so we have uh the Dave Filoni and John Favreau are producing Ahsoka and also producing Ranger of the New Republic, and they're both set during the Mandalorian timeline. And I, th- they said these are all going to converge into one big storyline, right? A la The
0: Defenders.
2: Yeah, I hope it's not The Defenders.
0: <laughs> fair. Yeah, that's fair. But, right. But it's like, okay, if they have their kind of separate plot lines and then we have one where they're, you know, converge a bit more, I think that's cool. Um, you know, maybe, you know, we have a big villain in Thrawn, right? And so, like, maybe converging to tackle that could be pretty exciting. Oh, um, I mean, best character. The Mandalorian, like, did kind of this season set up um, a lot of these shows. You know, we introduced Ahsoka, we introduced Boba Fett back in. Um, and, and so, like, the season did kind of feel the weight of that right important star wars character who knows he might show up again in rangers of the new republic um i assume he will I'm, I'm guessing he'll be a main character and you'll get to hear your name every week what um then i might actually get an x-wing card that'll be exciting but like it almost was a little bit too much this season like inter- reintroducing all these new characters and so hopefully that was just one season and then uh, we can kind of let them diverge a little bit more, but it show up every now and then. It'll be nice if you get like a pop culture character that gets
1: secured with your name, because right now all I've got is the MCU character, Timothy Dum Dum Dugan from Captain America. OK, but and having cool enough
0: Timothy Dugan is like pretty
1: crazy. <laughs> like what that more is could you crazy. want with that? <laughs> I just I wish he was in the movies more. You get like a couple shots in the first Avenger, and that's okay. it. okay, but they're
0: all pretty great lines. All of his lines are real seller. Why does he have to be called Dum Dumb though? Well, Tim Because <laughs> handle bar, handle handlebar handlebar mustaches are dumb dumb.
1: <laughs> how dare you? All right, Rogue Squadron coming out. The saddest news here is it's not coming till twenty twenty three. Um but we're getting a X Wing,
0: I presume, centered movie.
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah, this
0: is sequel era, so more resistance type ships. Yeah, didn't they say it was going to take place
1: post uh, Rise of the Skywalker, too? Which was kind of. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was kind of assuming we wouldn't get stories post Rise of the Skywalker because that seems so final.
0: Yeah, I I agree. But um, as an X Wing player um, who plays the Resistance a lot, I think, (laughs) you know what? This isn't the worst thing. No, you're going to get a, an eighth faction now.
1: That'll be whatever the sequel, like the new New Republic.
0: Nah, yeah, don't do that.
1: It is pretty cool. They've got uh, Patty Jenkins on board to direct, which is pretty awesome. I actually, I really liked Wonder Woman. I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984, which is coming out here soon on HBO Max.
0: Yeah, it's like the only good DC movie that's come out in
1: like a long <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> that's a big, I mean, big claim to fame. Um, no, it's cool. And I her late father, I think, was a fighter pilot, too. So I like the idea that we're going to have someone who has a real passion for, like, old oh, school. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, old school flying, because that's really what George Lucas was channeling when he made Star Wars. Was The the flying was less of, like, naval battles and more of, like, straight-up dogfighting, World War II-era stuff. So it'll be cool to see
0: that energy put, put into Star Wars again. All right, we got to move faster because... Um... <laughs> We are not even halfway through all this new Star Wars okay. stuff. Yes, uh, droid story,
1: new animated series with C three P and R two D two. How do we feel about that? So uh, could I be don't fun. know. Could yeah, be, fun.
0: Uh, who knows? I mean, they're they're actually pretty funny characters, right? Like we think about like the original humor in that first trilogy is mostly around C three P and R two D two,
2: and it's like a lot of it too, especially in like Attack of the Clones, is like like, physical comedy, which I think you can do a lot more of in a cartoon. Like, especially with 3PO, who can, like, really only articulate in, like, four directions. Like, I think that'll be kind of interesting.
0: Maybe they'll throw Jar Jar in there, too. Please, no. But, like, also, Cranky RTD2 is
1: really funny. That's true. (laughs) Uh, We also have the Acolyte coming, which... So, this one was interesting, because I thought they said they weren't going to do any... Like live media in the High Republic era, because that's what a lot of the new Star Wars content right now is focusing on, is they're releasing comics and books um, set in the High Republic, which is like the pre prequels era by a. But it has a few such a good years. aesthetic.
2: I'm very excited for this project.
1: This looks cool. Um, they've got uh, Leslie Headland, who did. I never saw it. I heard good things. The Netflix show Russian Doll. That was kind of like the Groundhog Day thing, right? Reliving the same same night over and over again. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. This is going to be a mystery thriller series. That's what we know so far, which I like them exploring different genres in Star Wars. That seems like fun. It
0: kind of has the vibe of like a Sith Apprentice kind of feel, right?
1: Yeah, and they've teased that this is going to
2: take place towards the end of the High Republic. So there's speculation that maybe we're going to get some Darth Plagueis
1: action in there,
2: which would be kind of cool. Um, I do know, though, that- John, have I ever
1: told you the legend of Darth Plagueis the Wise?
2: Nah, it's not a story that Jedi would tell.
1: Uh, it's not a story Carson would tell you, for
2: sure. Um this is ha- true cuz I I have a bad memory.
1: <laughs> it might mess
2: <laughs> it up. They have said that this show will have a female lead. So maybe we'll get like a female Sith apprentice that we haven't seen before. That'd be kind of cool too.
0: Okay, and then um we have another movie coming out 2025. Um That's don't really not know a real too much year. about this one, right? Uh, all I know is that Taika
1: Waititi had the best tweet I've seen in a long time. Okay. Gotta, uh, him saying that he's going to ruin his uh, yeah. Whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if people hadn't seen this, the Star Wars posted like a brand new series from acclaimed filmmaker Taika Waititi's in development. And he was like, what? Ugh, as a longtime fan of Star Wars, I'm so angry about what I'm about to do to ruin it, which I thought was pretty on point. I'm excited for this movie. I think he's a very creative
2: and kind of inventive director and like his episodes of the season one of the Mandalorian were fantastic.
1: Um, he, he's he's good at uh, movies with a fun energy too. I mean, I loved, I did not like the Thor movies until Thor Ragnarok came out and I feel like he reinvented that character in such a great way. Yes. And then um yeah, Jojo Rabbit was great. If you guys haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, definitely check that out. Phenomenal movie. Oh, so good. Such a dark premise to make such a high energy movie. It's great. <laughs> Um, yeah so I I'm, I'm super excited about that. I I feel like Taika is one of those people who can do no wrong right now. So I'll yeah, let him make some more content for us. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean continue with people who can also do no wrong. Uh Dave Filoni's got another one coming out, uh The Bad Batch, uh showing up, you know, pretty soon next year, uh March.
2: Yeah, so that'll be another, you know, animated in the style of the Clone Wars show, um based on kind of the teaser trailer we saw, I think taking place right as the republic falls and the galactic empire rises and uh we saw a little taste of fennec shand in there doing some oh i didn't catch that animated martial arts uh so we're gonna get some more of her which is gonna be cool awesome um and i mean the bad batch was just an excellent arc in season seven of the clone wars um so if you haven't checked that out you need to to get ready for this um very interesting characters and like you said carson dave filoni can do no wrong so i think this is going to be a very very good show
1: that's an awesome, uh, like time time zone to check out in the Star Wars history too. Is like the post Order sixty six stuff because we don't have a lot in like the immediate aftermath. So I'm excited to see what they do with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, one that's more open ended. We have Star Wars Visions, which is going to be, um, ten short films, um, following kind of an anime style.
2: I th- think this is a pretty unique project. Um, I don't know if either of you have seen it, but for those who are sim- uh, familiar with the kind of DC animated stuff, um, there was a series, like six short films, I think, called Batman Gotham Night um, that kind of followed the same trend. Um, it was six animated stories that kind of loosely took place um, after Batman Begins. So they are like canon, but they kind of have different takes on Bruce Wayne and, um, but that's, you know, that's DC. I think something similar to the vein of Star Wars is super interesting to kind of get these just sporadically intertwined stories within the universe focused on, you know, maybe these random characters. Um, and it's just really cool to see like different animation styles and how they can incorporate that with the storytelling.
1: Well, I like to the opportunities for doing an anthology show where like you can make these standalone stories in the Star Wars universe. There hasn't always been a good, like the cartoons have been an OK area to explore there but even then they didn't do a lot of stuff that was totally detached from their main characters and their main storyline so to have like an anthology series because i just i love pretty much any anthology show i've ever seen so that's a cool way to explore some star wars stories that you couldn't tell in a movie or a limited series
2: another pretty i think highly anticipated maybe not as a show but just as a story in general um they did also announce that they're gonna do a lando series coming out on disney plus yeah, they didn't. They didn't announce Donald Glover though, right? And they probably won't. Like he's kind of cagey with stuff like that when it comes to his acting projects, and even like him as a musician too. Like he does not spoil a lot about what he's working on. So um, Justin Simeon, who did Dear White People on Netflix, um, pretty interesting show as well, is uh, spearheading this one. And you know, I don't think we're gonna hear anything about that show until they're ready to actually like drop a trailer we're probably not going to get much news on that, but and it is coming and it's probably going to be pretty exciting.
1: He did. I mean, I hope they have, I mean, I'm assuming they're going to have him back though. And I hope, uh, I really liked his performances Lando in the solo movie. Cause I'm one of the people who I guess actually liked the solo movie. I did too. Um, it was, Same. it was fun. That, that train action scene was awesome.
0: <laughs> Donald Glover was really fun in that Lando role.
1: He really emulated
2: the young Billy D Williams energy. Like, almost to a T he had the mannerisms he had the voice like it was just so good
1: I assume this will be a pretty good one uh we've got the Cassian Andor show finally confirmed coming in 2022 looks like they've already started production on it too so that's pretty cool so we know that's actually coming down the pipeline um which is cool I that was a great character it was kind of sad at the end of Rogue One for him to obviously not survive so we weren't going to get any stories after that um but to get kind of what I'm assuming is going to be a spy thriller thing Set in the Star Wars universe. Um, we've gotten little tastes of that yeah. for Mandalorian, but to see a serious like rebel spy would be pretty cool.
2: Well, he really represents like the dark side of the rebellion, too, which I think makes him a very interesting character. And I'm excited to see that play out over several episodes rather than just a two-hour movie.
0: All the things you have to do to win a war. Right. It's like the gritty realism of being a rebel, right, um, and what that actually means. Yeah, that they like do touch on in Rogue One, but just to see that expanded, like I think there's a lot of storytelling to tell there. I mean, you think about it, we get uh, K2SO back and like maybe we get to see, you know, how they first meet and become partners, right? Like that, that sounds like really fun. I think this is one of the ones that I'm most excited for is, is that Andor show.
2: They did confirm a release date for the third season of The Mandalorian, so we're getting that a little later next year than usual, so the first episode will drop on Christmas of 2021 and, of course, is being written and directed um, by Filoni and Favreau, so I if assume we'll it, get more. If it ain't broke,
1: don't fix it. Right.
0: And then we also content. get uh, sort of season three of Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, um, the other Mandalorian, right? Yeah. <laughs> It, it
1: it was just so funny to like have them do all these star wars announcements and then save that one for it
0: until we saw the end of mandalorian that was pretty clutch right i mean that was really good and uh just wow the after credit scene where they introduced that was phenomenal uh just all the return of the jedi callbacks uh just like even the shadow moving down the staircase like uh callback to luke doing that right entering java's palace like you know um it's about to be a throwdown. a lot of strong return of the jedi vibes from that last
1: episode of mando the uh, return
2: of bib fortuna who turned into a hut apparently in the five years since Return then, of the Jedi? And then gets
1: immediately killed. Do we know? What about Salacious Crumb? Did Salacious Crumb die in Return of the Jedi? I'm blanking now. I don't no, think No, he he's
2: does. in season one of Mando. They confirm oh, that he? in the gallery, like the making of. Yeah, he's one of the lizards that's like getting pit roasted in like oh the my first God. two episodes. <laughs>
0: Oh, so, so he's not he, going to return.
2: He is canonically eaten in this
0: universe. Okay, so. perfect. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but so was Boba Fett. Ben Fortuna came back. was really fun to have back on screen. Like <laughs> he did not look good. Just a funny good. alien. No, <laughs> um, but that was that they was. Wanga. Funny. <laughs> I just
2: I love that swag shot too of Boba just like sitting in the chair and Fennec like drinking the Spotchka, just chilling <laughs> on the side of the
0: chair. Yeah, no, this this um Book of Boba Fett show looks like it'll be pretty fun. I mean, just Boba Fett, the pirate king here back on Tatooine, like that's that like a trying to clean his really good again. premises. Yeah. Um I'm glad he's found his Zam Wessel too.
1: I hope he treats her better yeah. than Django treated Zam Wessel. <laughs> I hope there's enough of a story
2: here. Like I kind of was on board with the Mandalorian being like an anthology series. So like this being the next season of The Mandalorian, I think would have been interesting. Um I just hope like there's enough of a story there and you know it, I d-
1: we don't know if this is going to be 8 episodes too, right? This might right. be like a f- three or four part thing.
2: Like a limited series, maybe yeah. slightly longer episodes,
1: which would be great. Give us 3 or 4 40-minute episodes. Tell us tell a fun story and you're good.
2: Speaking of fun stories, how about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all the news we got with that show?
1: Well, they announced this forever ago and then we got nothing. Right. But I'm 100% on board with Hayden Christensen being back. I'm not sure what that means. Like, is he going to just be the Um, one in the suit? Is he going to do the voice?
2: I mean, uh, no, you got to bring back James Earl Jones, right? Like, he'll forever be the voice of Vader. I think, like, maybe we see more Vader, like, out of the suit. Maybe, like, him kind of establishing himself on Mustafar and, like, building his castle and stuff. Like, that'd be kind of cool
1: getting more surgeries. It's just going to be a bunch of Hayden Christian getting surgeries.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, and he's definitely like the right height too. And I mean, uh, unfortunately lost David Prowse recently, um, the original, you know, physical actor for Darth Vader. So I think, uh, yeah. And I mean, Hayden was wearing the suit at the end of revenge of the Sith. So
1: yeah. Which I always thought was a, I thought that was a nice honor, you know, for all the crap he had to take. Like he got to wear the suit. That was pretty nice. Didn't yeah. they have and to the- put him on stilts, though? Because he's he's not that tall.
2: No, he's not David Prowse tall, but he was, I mean, taller than Ian McGregor. That's all that matters, right?
1: Have you guys seen the videos of Darth Vader where it's David Prowse doing the dialogue before they overdubbed James Earl Jones?
2: It's so strange.
1: <laughs> it's so weird. It sounds like Dark Helmet, like, legitimately. Yeah. This
2: show's is uh, being primarily written by Deborah Chow, who did a couple episodes of the first season of The Mandalorian, and I would argue some of the stronger episodes in season one were the ones that she did, so I think the series uh, is in good which hands. Which ones were those? I believe she did episode three.
1: I think that's right, yeah.
2: And seven.
1: Was seven the um, uh, prison ship, or is it six?
2: No, the remember. prison ship is six. Uh, that was a uh, Rick Fumiyawa one um yeah i think she did three and seven
0: no seven's when he goes back um and gets the crew together back up with yeah yeah i think those were the two she did uh three's great though um i think three's one of the better ones in the whole first when he gets all his
2: new armor that's pretty cool
1: yeah that's the one where he has to go get grogu again right after he drops him right yeah that's a great episode he
2: needs to get Grogu on, like, one of those child leashes. Jeez. <laughs> I wouldn't more. normally advocate for those, but, I mean, this kid just gets everywhere. Uh,
0: the messenger bag this season was pretty good, though. Yeah. <laughs> just toting him around.
1: Yeah. Uh, so here's a question. Is Ryan Johnson still making a Star Wars movie trilogy? Is that still a thing?
2: It hasn't I'm been not, it's canceled. Not... It's so. not... I'm
1: not making a value judgment on that. I was just curious because I hadn't heard anything about it. I know... Didn't the uh, Game of Thrones guys one get canceled? Yes. Okay. Probably for good. That's a, probably yeah. a fine, good good decision on their part.
2: Yeah. I mean, like... Yeah. Nah, we won't dive into the rat rabbit hole, so... But, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's still floating in there in the pipeline. It hasn't been confirmed that it's canceled and there hasn't really been any news about it, so... uh Yeah. Yes, yes, it's it's happening. Maybe.
1: It's, I don't yes, know. Yes, it's definitely maybe happening. All right, Either so way. that is a lot of Star Wars content. Oh, so much. We're about to cross an hour on record time. It's not normal for us. It's fine. It's the holiday episode. Yeah. Well, and you guys don't have to do any of the editing work, so it's all in it, Yep,
0: it's fine. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> Let's go another hour. That's fine. Okay, um, Best looking set of Mandalorian armor. Oh, uh, I mean, I love Mando's. Just the silver
1: Beskar's. Din Djarin's pretty, pretty cool. I I, I liked his armor well. before he got all the Beskar. Like he I like cool Bo
2: Katan's armor. I like her helmet a lot. That like kind of bird of prey look.
1: I think is yeah. Very it's cool. a little more focused. Yeah. yeah.
2: But man, cleaned up Boba. Oof.
0: That's pretty cool too. The I paint. like the janky Boba better. I, I like the the battle scar. Uh, oh. what, what I think is just really cool about all oh, no. these Mandalorian armors is like, you know, Star Wars draws a lot from like the, the Japanese samurai aesthetic. And you know, before it was like the Jedi trying to emulate that. And I think the Mandalorians capture that aesthetic better um, with all their, you know, unique characterized armor. Um, and uh, just you know seeing them in combat and like taking on hordes of people like it, it works really well like I, I think they capture um, that parallel really well and, and bring it into a sci-fi concept
1: well and like actually kind of the Mandalorians capture the like family nature of things better because obviously the Jedi weren't supposed to have family so they weren't yep. passing things down but the Mandos definitely do So there's a little bit more of that, like, kind of the family
0: sword thing, passing the armor down. Right, the scene of Boba showing...
2: Explaining his chain
0: code. Right, how that armor's been, yeah, within his family. Like, that was really cool. Don't you mean your donor?
2: (laughs) What a line. (laughs) What a line. I think it'd be cool, just because I like collecting the Funko Pops, to see Mando get a paint job in Season 3, Um as like gimmicky and cheesy as it would be it'd be cool to see him get some kind of like lighter green slash tan and brown paint job as like an homage to grogu
0: he gets the grogu armor gets like just a just a green helmet and then like brown armor no i think i think keep the silver but also put in some green like i think that could be cool
1: guys if he just pays 9.99 and upgrades to the deluxe edition he'll get the alternate skin for his armor <laughs> <laughs> we need the ea <laughs> approach here <laughs> He just needs to buy more loot boxes and he'll eventually get it. The odds aren't that low. It's like one in fifty-six or something.
2: He'll get access to Boba Fett's blaster and <laughs> Yeah.
0: He can wear one of Lando's capes. Okay, the, the Boba Fett missile um uh, being used multiple times this season, that was that was phenomenal. They had to make up for
1: us never seeing it before. I thought it was All great right. when Django drops it in Attack of the Clones. That's pretty. great. That was a great moment in Star Dude, Wars. Dude,
2: the like the kneecap guns, absolutely. The just kneecap blow guns my mind. were amazing. It's so <laughs> cool. It's like you think he's just gonna like knee him, and then he's like, just guns.
0: I'm not sure if that was cooler or seeing the seismic charge. Like all oh, oh, that was just so charge. good. Uh, the sound was so good.
2: On that. I mean, it's charge. like the
0: same, but it's like that was like some of the best just sound obliterates ever. obliterates those <laughs> Tie
2: fighters. I don't normally like seeing a TIE fighter get destroyed, but
0: that style points. Uh, Well, we see a lot of TIE fighters get destroyed this season, right? I mean, there's that, was it episode four, when he goes back um, to that one planet? (laughs) Yeah, Navarro. Yeah. Yeah. That episode Um,
2: is the worst one
0: of this season. I think so, uh, but it does have perhaps one of the most exciting space battles, or air battles, with the Razor Crest versus all those TIE fighters. I uh, just seeing that th- big ship just K turn around and just blast these Tie fighters. That was awesome.
2: I'm glad they explored that medium a lot more in this season, is like the actual ship combat. Um, I mean, because we get to see a little bit in season one, right? But not like as extensive as like the second episode of this season, or well, and know, like the,
0: the atmospheric air combat, right? Like, yeah, it was all like that's in super planet, cool. and that was really good. Like the X wings going through that ice canyon, like that was awesome.
2: I just, I love in the second episode when they're flying through the clouds and he does like the midair stall into like the nosedive. Like, what an unnecessary move, but man, it looks so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm here for, for Star Wars. All right. So uh, I think that's a good point to uh, wrap up our 2020 holiday special. Anything you guys want to uh, talk about before we close out here? How are we feeling about st- the future of Star Wars? There's a lot,
2: and I think you know just by the law of averages some of this content's going to be amazing some of it that's what i'm not. saying yeah some of it might not be so amazing but i i don't think as consumers it's our job to pass judgment on something we don't know anything about that's my personal opinion so as we get more teasers and news about these things i think it's just going to really ramp up that excitement and like The investor day, like my brain couldn't even keep up with all this news. I was just randomly Google searching things and then just going to pages, and there was no end in sight, and I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah,
1: especially if you're an
0: MCU fan, too. That was a bananas day. Well, and, like, the people (laughs) writing the articles trying to catch up, like, they didn't know anything either, right? Yeah. (laughs) And I think,
2: you know, especially in, you know, the current times when so much is kind of up in the air and we don't know what the near future holds, like, to be this excited about something, uh, to me, feels pretty good. And it was kind of like a nice early holiday treat.
0: Right, well, and, like, the past eight weeks have been just, you know, a fun treat of, like, oh, there's something exciting on, on Friday, and, like, they've all been, like, really enjoyable episodes. Like, yeah, like, maybe episode four wasn't the strongest, but, like, that's in context of, like, all these episodes were great, right? And so it's, like, one of them had to be a weak one.
2: What about you, Tim? How you feeling?
1: I I would like to mirror all your opinions. No, I'm excited about the future of Star Wars right now. Um, I like the direction they took Mando this season. I'm pretty optimistic. Like even if there's little things that bug me, like there's so much good going on that I can't really, you know, be bothered to deal with the minor, my minor gripes. Um, Okay. Here's my biggest
0: gripe that we didn't talk about is, you know, the, the episode where he eats all the eggs. um, And then the next episode, there is the little frog lizard thing. And like, We've seen Baby Yoda eat a lot of creatures. I'm sorry, Grogu eat a lot of creatures. Like, he should have gone for it. That's that's my biggest issue with the season.
2: I mean, we were going to end it on such a light note. And you had to go and make it dark. Come on.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the Radio TCX 2020 holiday special. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. And it's a dark it's, show. Instead of our usual plugs, <laughs> I'll probably just play an excerpt from the Star Wars Christmas album. So here it goes. Hope everyone has a a happy holiday, Merry Christmas, and a good new year.